<clears throat> Beloved congregation, it's uh, customary the first day of the new year uh, to wish one another a blessed new year. And let me do that now also on behalf of our consistory and congregation. Uh, let me ask the Lord's blessing upon you as congregation of Langley, a sister church just down the freeway. We wish you the Lord's richest blessing upon you and your pastor and his family, and all of you, that the Lord may bless you spiritually, materially, in every way. And when we say Blessed New Year, we're actually, whether we realize it or not, we're actually pronouncing what we call a benediction on the person to whom we're wishing a Blessed New Year. And what we're saying, in effect, is we're saying no matter what this year may bring, whether it brings prosperity or adversity, May the Lord be with you, and may He bless it to you, to your physical well-being, to your spiritual well-being. It's customary for believers to bless one another. We find many examples of this in the Old Testament in particular. Isaac, for example, blessed Jacob, and Jacob in turn blessed the sons of Joseph, Joshua blessed Caleb, and Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife Hannah. And in the New Testament, we read about how when Jesus and Joseph and Mary, rather, brought the baby Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem, that Simeon took him in his arms, and he blessed the Christ child, and he blessed Joseph and Mary as well. But as we stand on the threshold of a new year, congregation, what you and I need more than the blessing of a man is the blessing of God. And this is exactly what the Lord provides. We read together from Numbers chapter 6, and particularly verses 24 to 26. And in those verses, the Lord instructs the high priest Aaron to bless the people of Israel with these words, the Lord bless you and keep you. Children, you know the rest? Because you hear it every Sunday morning. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. We call that the Aaronic Benediction, not ironic, but Aaronic benediction after Aaron, the high priest. And we're familiar with these words, aren't we? We hear the minister pronounce these very words upon the congregation every Sunday morning at the end of the worship service. But what do these words actually mean? And what comfort do they provide for us as we begin a new year under the blessing of the Lord? together. Well, these are some of the questions we want to consider in our sermon this afternoon, and we do so under the theme, God's priestly blessing. So not Aaron's priestly blessing, but God's priestly blessing, because it comes from him, as we'll see in a moment. And we'll consider, first of all, the source of this blessing, secondly, the mediator of this blessing, and then thirdly, the benefits of this blessing. First, then, the source of this blessing. The blessing recorded in our text, congregation, is a blessing that comes from God. And that's clear from the wording. 
The Lord bless you and keep you, it says. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So it's clear that this benediction doesn't come from Aaron the high priest, but it comes ultimately from God. He is the source of this benediction, mediated, as we'll see in a moment, through Aaron the high priest. Now I want you to notice two things about this blessing. First of all, the name that God uses. In the, in the King James, as well as in the New King James, whenever the word Lord is used in capital letters, it's referring to the Hebrew name Yahweh, or as it's transliterated into English, Jehovah. And this is the name that God revealed to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. There he called himself the I Am, and that's derived from the Hebrew verb to be. And by means of that name, God was teaching his people that he is eternally self-existent. And he's not dependent on anyone or anything for his existence. And he does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as we read later in the book of Hebrews. And this name is God's covenant name. This is the name that God uses to express his covenantal relationship with his people. And by using this name, God is reinforcing the fact that he is the God of the covenant. That he in his sovereignty has made a covenant with these people. They are his covenant people. He is their covenant God. And as such, it's a very fitting name for God to use in this context. Now, you may know that in the Old Testament, God revealed many names to his people. He's referred to, for example, as Elohim, as El Shaddai, and many, many other names. But here he uses the name Jehovah. Why? Precisely for this reason. Because this is God's covenant name. God is coming to his covenant people as their covenant God. In fact, it's only because God has made a covenant with these people that he can bless them. God nowhere blesses those who are outside of his covenant. He blesses only those who are inside of his covenant, which is why this benediction is not pronounced upon the world, but it is pronounced exclusively on the church, on the covenant people of God. Notice, secondly, the threefold repetition of this name. You'll notice that the name Lord appears no less than three times in this benediction. Now, that may be simply for the sake of emphasis. That's possible. Whenever something is repeated three times, you know that the author wishes to emphasize something very important. But some commentators believe, and I tend to agree with them, that what we have here is really a veiled reference to the Holy Trinity. And so according to this view, every time the word Lord is used, it's referring to one of the three persons of the Trinity. So the first time the word Lord is used, it's referring to God the Father. And that makes sense because he is the one whose special task or special work it is to bless and to keep and preserve his people. The second time the word Lord is used, it refers to God the Son because it's through him that we see the face of God. And it's only in him that God can be gracious to us. And the third time the word Lord is used, it refers to God the Holy Spirit. 
because it's through Him that we sense the lifting up of the countenance of God and His peace. Now, there's something to be said for this. I don't think this is stretching things too far at all. In fact, when you jump ahead to the New Testament, you find that Paul's benediction, the apostolic benediction in 2 Corinthians 13 verse 14 follows this threefold pattern. Paul writes, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Here again, all three persons of the Holy Trinity are mentioned. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So it's possible that Paul, in giving the apostolic benediction in the New Testament, is simply echoing the Aaronic benediction in the Old Testament. The point is, this benediction has its origin in God, in the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune God comes to His covenant people and pronounces upon them His blessing. Now that is a wonder in itself, isn't it? Just think of that through for a moment. Here is the triune God against whom we have sinned, against whom we have rebelled, and He comes to us and to our children. And He comes not with a word of judgment, which is what we deserve, but He comes with a word of blessing. And He does so in all three of His persons. I mean, it's one thing to receive the blessing of God the Father, or of God the Son, or of God the Holy Spirit, but to receive that blessing from all three persons in one, at one time. That is astounding. That is amazing. And this is exactly what God is doing when the minister pronounces his benediction on the congregation. He's bestowing the blessing of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this benediction has its origin in God, but it is mediated. It is a mediated blessing, and that brings us to our second point. This blessing contained in our text was to, pronounce, to be pronounced upon the people by the priests. Verse 23, it says, God says to Moses, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you, you priests, shall bless the children of Israel. And so it was the distinct privilege and task of the priest to bless the people in the name of the Lord. Now that shouldn't surprise us. In the Old Testament, the priests had three functions, basically. Their first function was to offer sacrifices every morning and every evening. They were to bring the sacrifices of the people and they were to take them and burn them on the altar. The people couldn't do that themselves. The priest had to do that for them. They would bring the animal to the priest. The priest would take that animal. He would kill that animal and he would sacrifice it to the Lord. This was part of their priestly task or, or function. The second part of their task was to make intercession. That simply means it was their task to pray for the people. So if you had a particular need, you would go to the priest and you would ask the priest to remember this or that in their prayers before the Lord. This is why the priest burned incense in the tabernacle and later on in the temple because the incense was a picture of the prayers of God's saints. But the third task of the priest was to bless, to bless the people. 
And that's clear from other passages of the Word of God, not just our text, but in Deuteronomy 10, verse 8, we read this. At that time the Lord separated the tribe of Levi to bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto Him, and, here's their task, to bless in His name unto this day. In Deuteronomy 25, 21, verse 5, we read this. And the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for them the Lord thy God has chosen to minister unto him and to bless in the name of the Lord. So the task of the priests was this very thing, to bless the people in the name and on behalf of God himself. Now, when were they to do this? It's a very interesting question. When were they to pronounce this blessing upon the people? Well, the text as we read it in Numbers chapter 6, doesn't tell us in so many words. But we do receive some indication of this in Leviticus chapter 9, verse 22. And there we read these words. It says there, And Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people and blessed them and came down from offering of the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. So here's something very instructive. Aaron blessed the people after he had offered the sacrifice in the tabernacle. In other words, he did it after the worship service, which is a practice that continues even to this very day. In fact, some ancient Jewish commentators say that this blessing was pronounced after the morning sacrifice, which may be the reason, I don't know this for sure, but that may be the reason why in Reformed liturgy, the Aaronic benediction is always given after the morning service, and the apostolic benediction after the afternoon service, although there's certainly nothing wrong with changing that order around. So there's some significance to the timing of this. It was given after the worship service. Second interesting question is this, what was the protocol in giving this benediction, what, what was the priest supposed to do? Well, again, our text doesn't say, but we do have some indication from Leviticus 9, verse 22, which I quoted just a moment ago. And there we read that Aaron blessed the people, standing with his face toward the people and his hands raised. So just like that. Just like the minister does every Sunday morning and every Sunday afternoon. He raises his hands over the people. Now, why did he do that? Well, it symbolized the bestowal of God's blessing upon the people. It's as though the priest was taking the blessing from God and bestowing it in turn upon his covenant people. You see, the point is, that God bestows this blessing through a mediator. In this case, the Old Testament, it was the priests. Now, in the New Testament, of course, it is the ministers of the Word of God, as I said already. It's the minister who bestows this benediction upon the congregation at the end of the morning worship service. And at the end of the afternoon service, it's the apostolic benediction, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And he does this not, not by his own authority. He does this by the authority of God. He pronounces that benediction from God. He is the mouthpiece of God to his people. So it's as though God himself 
is pronouncing these very words upon his church. This, by the way, just an interesting little sidelight, but this, by the way, is why students for the ministry who are not yet ordained, as well as elders who lead a service in the congregation, at least in Reformed churches, are not permitted to pronounce this benediction at the end of the service. This is given, this task, this privilege is given only to those who have been set apart by God and ordained to the ministry of the Word, as the example we have in the Old Testament. And so God comes to us through the ministry, and He blesses us. Every week, He comes to us. The three-person God, Father, Son, and Spirit, He comes and He blesses. And that's a wonderful truth. And it's a comforting truth particularly now as we stand at the beginning of a new year. And we should be reminded every time that the minister pronounces the blessing upon the congregation that we have a God in heaven who loves us, who cares for us, and who promises to be with us and to provide us with all that we need for body and for soul. And it should remind us of something else. It should remind us, congregation, that we have a greater high priest in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, yes, the minister acts on behalf of God, but in behind the minister is Christ himself. And where is he? He is seated at the right hand of his Father in glory. And all power and all authority has been given unto him in heaven and on earth. He is our great high priest. And what is he doing? He's continually making intercession for his people. And he's blessing them. So he's praying for them, and he's blessing them at the same time. And it's a wonderful thought when you think of when the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven. Do you remember, children, how he went up to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples were with him, And in the sight of his disciples, what happened? The Lord Jesus slowly but gradually left this earth and ascended up into heaven. And what was he doing with his hands? Do you remember? You can read about it in Acts chapter 1. As Jesus was going up, his hands were lifted up in blessing upon his disciples. This is what it says. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. I'm sorry, it's in Luke 24, not in Acts chapter 1. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And those hands of blessing are still outstretched towards us every single day. You think of Moses on the mountain, right? And he had to lift up his hands. And as he lifted up his hands, then the Amalekites could not prevail against the children of Israel. But as soon as his hands began to fall down because he was an old man and he didn't have the strength anymore, then the the Amalekites would prevail against the Israelites. And so Aaron and Hur, you remember, had to prop up his hands, hold them up so the people of Israel could, could conquer the Amalekites. Well, in Christ we have a high priest who's far greater than Moses. And his hands never grow weary. They're always outstretched in blessing towards his people. Yes, even when we sin against him, even when we grieve him, he's always there blessing 
blessing and blessing. Oh, what a great Savior we have. What a gracious high priest we have. How full of long-suffering, how full of mercy He is. That His hands are outstretched still towards us. The Bible describes the children of Israel as a stiff-necked and a gainsaying people. That's the King James language. And that's us, isn't it? We're no different than the children of Israel. We too are murmurers and grumblers and sinners against God. And yet God is there through His Son, Jesus Christ. Through the minister pronouncing His blessing upon us. Assuring us of His goodwill and favor towards us. Oh, what a blessing it is to have such a God. To enter into this new year with such a God whom we worship and serve, who reveals Himself to us in His holy Word. And so God blesses us through His priests, through His ministers. Now, what are the benefits of this blessing? That brings me to my third point. This blessing of the Lord is is wonderful, and it's rich. It's full of wonderful benefits for the people of God. And these benefits are enumerated in three couplets, where the thought of the second part of the couplet completes or even amplifies the thought of the first part of the couplet. So, first of all, the first couplet we have here is, the Lord bless you and keep you. That's a couplet. There's two things joined together in one. The Lord bless you and keep you. Now, the word bless here probably refers primarily to physical or material blessings, things like food and drink and shelter and clothing. So here, the priest is asking God to fulfill all of the material needs of his people. There's something very beautiful about that, because God made us material beings, and therefore we have material needs. We need things like food and drink and shelter and clothing. We need God to bless us with these things, or we simply will not be able to live, and this is what God does. The very first thing that he does in this in this ironic benediction, is he, he blesses us materially. The priest, as it were, was asking God to fulfill all the material needs of his people. And then there's that word keep here. The Lord bless you and keep you. And that word keep speaks of protection and preservation, physical protection, physical preservation. So here, God is promising to watch over us, to protect us from harm and danger. And there are so many things that we can encounter in our daily lives that could have serious consequences on each one of us. Every time you get in your car and every time you drive down the road, you could get into an accident. Every time you go on the job site, you could get into an accident. That could have huge ramifications for the rest of your life. And and when, when we hear this benediction, we're saying, Oh God, protect me. Keep me in your loving and gracious care. Doesn't mean that nothing bad will happen to us. Doesn't mean we'll never get sick. Doesn't mean we we won't suffer a serious injury. That's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible, the Bible teaches the exact opposite. The Bible teaches that the people of God also suffer. 
along with unbelievers. Bad things happen to believers too. Just look at Job. But God does promise to be with us in those trials, in those afflictions, when we walk through the water, when we pass through the water and through the fire. God is near. He is with us. He will carry us and bring us safely through. So that's the first couplet. Bless and keep. The second couplet is this. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That's an interesting expression, isn't it? The Lord make His face shine upon you. We don't normally speak like that, do we? I don't normally... We don't normally speak about people shining their face on us. But this is a Hebrew expression. And the Hebrew expression basically means, may the Lord deal kindly with you. May He look upon you with His divine favor. And the word gracious can also mean merciful. So here the Lord is promising not to deal with us according to what we deserve. Oh, if the Lord were to deal with us according to what we would deserve, we, we would be cast forth from His presence. We'd be under His wrath and condemnation forever and ever. But now in this benediction, we're saying, Oh, Lord, do not give me what I deserve, but deal with me and my children and our congregation in Your mercy. Be gracious unto us. And the third couplet, The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you Peace. That's another interesting expression. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. Countenance is an old English word having to do with, with, with really the face, actually. May the Lord lift up His face towards you. It really means, it's similar actually to the expression, may the Lord cause His face to shine upon us. It's a kind of a, of a parallelism. Except here, when the Lord says, when, when, when it says here, the Lord let his countenance lift up, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The emphasis is more, more on the power of God to deliver his people from, from trouble and distress. And the word peace is the Hebrew word shalom, and it's a difficult word to translate, but it means wholeness or completeness and contentment. It's the result of enjoying the favor of God and the favor of man. And so you see, congregation, that in these three couplets, every area of life is covered. There are blessings here for our physical life as well as for our spiritual lives. There are blessings that pertain primarily to this life, but also to the life to come. There are material blessings as well as spiritual blessings. So whatever we need is contained in this wonderful benediction. And I want you to notice something else. That these blessings are bestowed not just on people in general, but upon each individual person in particular. Because you'll notice the pronoun that is used throughout this benediction. In the Old King James, it's the word thee. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Now, the New King James doesn't use those archaic pronouns, so it's just you, but you can't tell the difference. In the New King James, and one of the weaknesses of other more modern translations is you can't tell the difference between the singular and the plural because in English, the you 
in the singular. It's the same in the plural. But in the old King James, I preserved that distinction by using the archaic pronouns. And whenever you see the word thee or thy, it's referring to the second person singular. And that's what's used in this benediction. So when God is pronouncing this benediction through his priest or through the minister, he is pronouncing this benediction not just in general, but upon every single individual specifically. It's like God in this benediction is pronouncing our name. And he's saying you and you and you and you and you. And you too, you too, children. You're also part of the congregation. The Lord comes to each one of us in particular with these wonderful blessings. Now, these are the blessings that we need as we begin this new year together. We need the blessing of the Lord. Not just the material blessings, but also the spiritual blessings. And we need his blessing not just for us as congregation in general, but for each one of us, for our families, for us as individuals, as well as our whole denomination, in fact, our whole world. We need the blessing of the Lord on our work life, on our home life, on our marriages, on the raising up of our children. We need the blessing of the Lord for our schooling and our jobs. We need the blessing of the Lord on our province and our nation and our cities and and our towns. We need the blessing of the Lord everywhere. This is exactly why the Lord comes to us every Sunday morning and reminds us of this very truth. It's like the Lord is saying, you can't leave this church building until you have my blessing. And he graciously provides it every Sunday twice. In the morning and again in the afternoon. Oh, beloved, let us never take this blessing for granted. I know sometimes we're so used to our order of worship that we, we tend to phase it out after a while. I notice it especially sometimes during the reading of the law you know, people are shuffling around, they're reading the bulletin, they're doing the stuff that has nothing to do with the reading of the law. That happens because we worship the same way every Sunday. And the problem, by the way, is not with Reformed worship. I mean, there are people that say, you know, we need to jazz it up a little bit. We need to, we need to introduce all kinds of newfangled ideas in the worship service to make it more interesting. And the problem's not with the worship service. The problem's with our heart. That's where the problem lies. And we need to ask the Lord every day, every time we come through those doors, Lord, Speak to me out of your word. And let the word of God come alive. Let it grip me. Let the worship service, let it speak to me. Let my heart break forth in praise and thanksgiving to my God. You don't need praise and worship songs to do that. You can do that with our old Psalter. It's all a matter of the heart. That's all it is. The point is, before we leave this worship service, God says, wait a minute, don't leave, don't go until you hear me bless you because you need my blessing. You need my blessing as you go forth 
into a new week, as you go forth into a new year. And this is what God authorizes his servants to do, to bless his people. And everything that God promises to give, he will most surely bestow. And how do I know that? Well, it's not part of my text, but I can't help but just dip into verse 27 for a moment. The very last verse of our text chapter reads like this. And they, it's talking about the priests, the priests shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. What does that mean? I will put my name upon the children of Israel. Well, the name of God in Scripture is synonymous with God himself. This is why the taking of God's name is such a terrible sin in the eyes of God. Because his name represents who God is. So when you take his name in vain, you're, you're, you're attacking his character and his reputation. You're bringing him down to our level. This is why God says, don't do that. Don't take my name in vain. And now when God says, they will put my name, the priests then will put my name upon the children of Israel, he means this. It means by pronouncing the benediction on the people, the priests will be, in a manner of speaking, they'll be staking my name and reputation on what they have just pronounced. In effect, what God is saying is you can count on every one of these blessings. Because when the priests pronounce that blessing, I come with that blessing, I attach my name to that blessing and to you. And that means that I will do as I have promised. The name of God is pronounced upon us, is attached to us. And the benediction, the name of God. This is why we're called Christians. Because we take the name of God, of our Savior, upon ourselves. Or rather, God puts His name upon us. And He says, these are my people. I will bless them. Why? Because we're so good? Because we deserve these blessings from the hand of the Lord? Absolutely not. We deserve nothing from the hand of God. But because of His Son the Lord Jesus Christ. What does Paul say? 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. Paul says, For all the promises, and I could add blessings, of God in Him, that is, in Christ, are yea and in Him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. You see, this is how we can be sure that God will bless us in spite of us because of His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate mediator of all of these blessings. Also the blessings contained in our text. And when we plead for the fulfillment of these blessings, we may rest absolutely sure and be totally confident that God will do as He has said. Because He loves His Son. And His Son has done a perfect work. And he himself has said, this is 
my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And He is still pleased with Him today, even, even after He has finished His atoning work on this earth. He sits beside His Father. And he is still the apple of His Father's eye. And whatever the Son asks, the Father will most certainly give. And so these words are not just an empty ceremony congregation, not just some words that tradition dictates that the minister pronounces upon the congregation at the end of the worship, much less is it simply a signal that the worship service is over. Oh no, it's way more significant than that. It is God himself coming to us. Let us believe that. And every time we leave the worship service, let us believe that God will indeed bless us, that He will keep us, that He will cause His face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us, that He will lift up His countenance upon us and give us peace through His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.